So if this is your first week, um, then just a heads up, we just started our new preaching journey called Deeper. And if you don't know what we mean by preaching journey, um, basically instead of calling like a theme for a couple of weeks a, a series, we, we just for some reason call it a journey because I think we're all used to watching series at home and then you kind of sit there and just watch it. And basically we don't want you to just watch the, the preachers, we actually want you to journey with us. So by the end of these few weeks, actually we, we're somewhere different to then when we started. And kind of the big idea behind this journey called Deeper is we just felt challenged as a church to be a people that starts going deeper with the Holy Spirit, inviting more of Him into, into our lives, into our workplaces, and not just that, but, but into our meetings, in our services together. We want to we want to trust that we'd start taking more risks to try to obey what he's saying. We want to start having more faith for, for what he wants to do. And now, I know often not all of us might know who the Holy Spirit is or, or what it means to go deeper with the Holy Spirit or, or to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And kind of, kind of the picture we had came from that, that, that story in um, the book of Ezekiel where the prophet's getting this vision of this water flowing out of this temple and, and this man leading him into deeper waters. And kind of what the picture's basically saying is if you ever walked in, in a river that's flowing and you're ankle deep, you're still in control of where you want to walk. You can still choose where you want to go. But as you go a little bit deeper, maybe knee height or, or maybe up into the waters by your waist, Eventually, the current gets strong enough that the current begins to kind of influence your direction, what you're doing, where you're going, until you get deep enough that your feet's off the ground, and basically then what's happening is, well, basically, you're not in control at all anymore. Actually, the river has 100% control, and that's what we mean when we talk about, hey, we want to go deeper with the Holy Spirit. And I also want to clarify what we're not talking about for these next few weeks is... We, we aren't talking about goosebumps and emotions and feelings. And now, we're not saying that's wrong. We're not against that by any means. But we don't want to make that the emphasis because that's not the goal. I believe when Jesus is the goal and when we are full of him, then yes, all those things can come as he wills and that's great. But that's not the emphasis. The emphasis is Jesus knowing him and obeying him. And so... Again, before we start, there's a question that's, that's often a bit of a big question, and that is, is do you already have the Spirit? Because if we're going to be talking about, hey, we need to go deeper with the Holy Spirit, some of us might still be, still be wrestling with, well, do I have the Holy Spirit, or, or do I need to do something to get Him? Is there a moment when He comes, when I'm baptizing the Holy Spirit, hey, am I filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, I can read... Many scriptures, I'm going to just read the one, Galatians chapter 3 verse 2 that says, let me ask you this one question, did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not, you received the Spirit because you believed in the message you heard about Christ. I can read more scriptures that says, hey, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So to the question, hey, do I have the Holy Spirit? Well, yes. If you're sitting here this morning and you've given your life to Jesus and you've repented and you've made him Lord, well then, yes, with salvation comes the Holy Spirit. It's not a separate thing. You have the Holy Spirit. And I hope we can settle that this morning. But then the question is, okay, well, if I really have the Holy Spirit, what does it mean to go deeper? 
What does it mean to get filled? Because to me, God's completely sovereign and amazing and powerful. And I don't think God's this little genie that I can rub a lamp in. And today I have some more of the Holy Spirit. And tomorrow I'm not as filled. But then ah, come, come Sunday when I'm in worship, hey, now I'm filled with the Holy Spirit again. I don't think that's how God works. There's a scripture in Ephesians 5.18 that says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Basically what Paul is saying, just, just how maybe when you drink wine or whatever, the more and more you drink of that thing, the more and more you let that thing control your behavior, and the more you give into it. In the same way, the more we let the Holy Spirit have control of our lives, the more and more we'll give into the Holy Spirit and have Him control how we live, how we behave, and where we go. And someone, someone summed it up like this once. They said, all believers have all of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit may not have all of them. So being full is basically just a reflection on how surrendered are you to the Holy Spirit and to what he's saying and to how he's directing you. I had a, I had a picture a while ago, and I, I don't know if this is a, is a picture for me or if it's a picture for us, but anyway, there's a picture. And kind of, I felt like, like I'm standing at the edge of a cliff, and I feel like I'm right at the edge. All I need to do is take one step off. And I feel like, I don't know what that one step is, but it feels like there's just greatness behind that one step. And I'm not talking about fame or money or whatever. I'm saying it feels like just one step, and I'll be in what God's saying, and His plan, and what His will is. But in that same picture, I felt like, I have been taking steps, I have been walking, but it feels like me or maybe us, instead of taking the step in that, that one small step in the direction he wants us to, I feel like we, we're bordering, we're bordering that cliff, we're walking up and down, and maybe you've been bordering up and down for years, but you're just not taking that one step that he's actually asked us to. Same picture, but just in a different way I had was, I don't know if you've ever gone to the beach, but you didn't want to get in the water. Maybe you're like me and you just, you just hate taking your shoes off and you hate even more having sand in your shoes and you're quite comfortable just chilling on the dollar or you're quite comfortable just sitting on the camp chair and having a coffee and, and maybe your friends are there and they all, hey, they came prepared, they're in the water, they're having fun. Maybe at some point you even ended up in, in some of those photos and it looks like you're having a thick jaw because everyone else is having a thick jaw. And the photos, it looks like it too. And you start thinking, hey, I must have had a great time. Look at the photos. I was there with them. But the truth is you never actually got into the water yourself, which was the whole point of going to the beach. Now, I know, I know that's a really silly picture. But as silly as what it is, I think that's an accurate picture of what it looks like for most of us with our walk with Jesus. Now, there's nothing wrong with church. But I think sometimes we can get so comfortable attending church that we never ever pursue knowing the Holy Spirit ourselves, which is the whole point of why we are in the first place. Sometimes we can spend so much time around other people that are in the water that we think we are. We can spend so much time in the, in the fruit or the experience of God's presence. Maybe it's worship, maybe it's whatever, that we think we're living in God's, in God's presence ourselves. We can spend so much time hearing what other people are hearing from God 
that we think we're hearing from God ourselves. And now, I honestly dream of being part of a church where, okay, let me say, Outlook's definitely my favorite church. It will always be my favorite church. Okay, let me change it. I, I dream of Outlook being the church where absolutely every single believer is more surrendered to the Holy Spirit than to anything else in their life. I can imagine, or maybe can you imagine, can you imagine the, the peace we'd have if actually every bit of our life was surrendered to the Holy Spirit? Can you imagine the confidence we'd have? Can you imagine the, the obedience or the example we'd set as a church to our city if every one of us were convinced the Holy Spirit's in us and we want to follow him? Can you imagine the, the authority and the power and the effectiveness of us as a church if we're actually living lives surrendered to the Holy Spirit. And so I was trying to ask myself the past few days, okay, how would I measure how full am I with the Holy Spirit, whatever that means? How would, how would I try and share with you guys where I'm at? And then I thought, okay, why don't I do this? Why don't I think if each and every one of you were as full of the Holy Spirit as me, would that be the church I want to be a part of? And then I realized it's going to be an awkward Sunday because I'm going to have to stand here and say, no, I don't think I'd want to be part of that church because I think the Holy Spirit wants so much more from us as a church than, what I, than I know where I'm at at the moment. And I realized it got so easy, it got so comfortable for me to, to kind of walk in the momentum of everyone else's walk with Jesus. It's so easy to, to think you have faith when you're kind of limping off your mate's faith. It's very easy to think you, you're following Jesus and actually you're just following the crowd that's following Jesus. If you had to come to me and if you had to say, wait, so you're saying you're not surrendered to the Holy Spirit, I'd say no, 100%. I'm like, well, whatever God says, I'm yes, I'm in, I'm doing that. And it's easy to say that when, when I judge myself or maybe you judge yourself on, on my intentions rather than my actions because when... When busyness comes, when distractions comes, when chaos comes, when worry comes, when temptation comes, am I still then as surrendered as I think I am? And are you? And, and maybe you're wondering, okay, well, what, what is my testimony? What, what great story do I have about hey, being led or being filled or being baptized in the Holy Spirit? And I don't have one of those cool epic stories that some of you have where ah, there were tongues and there was fire from heaven and you had this magical moment and that's cool because some people get that. I, I, I didn't. Instead, the reason I know and my testimony of saying hey, I know I'm filled with the Holy Spirit is this. I know that he speaks to me. I know that he tries to comfort me as much as what I would let him. I know that he's trying to guide me always when I let him. And, and I think that's the one thing, the one thing if I could pick, what's one thing I'd like to share that I've learned about the Holy Spirit that I'd love if every one of us grasped was that often the Holy Spirit speaks kind of soft. And again, that doesn't sound very profound, but the picture I had was, again, I, I don't have kids, which means generally us that don't have kids have the best parenting advice. And, and what I've learned is that the parent that's really in control isn't the one screaming and shouting at their kids. 
you can tell a parent that's really in control, if I think of my mom, for example, like they can just, they can just nudge their head a certain way and they can, they can just say something quietly and, and you just know mom's in control now. And I remember growing up and it was that same thing of you can tell a parent's in control by how softly they can speak. Now God is the most sovereign, the most, has the highest authority. And I feel God shows that by, by just how soft he speaks to us sometimes. He small nudges that some of us don't even know they are there. And the best way I can describe it is, it's, it's, for me, it's, it's just a little nudge. And, and we can see that in Scripture. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, it says, Suddenly the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied. What is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. And again, Samuel got up, went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time. And once more, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized that it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said, Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. And the Lord came and called him as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. And God began to speak to Samuel. No amazing signs from the clouds, no fire just a small voice, just a nudge, trying to get Samuel's attention. And, and I just want to share a few examples of this in my life, because I, th I think this is most of your story as well, and you just may not realize it. And so I'm going to share maybe some really silly stories, but there's a point behind them, and then I might share some personal ones, because, well, there's a point there also. I'll start with a, a silly one. Um, a while ago, I was riding my motorbike, and it's Rich's Bay, so it's hot. So you generally like don't ride with your visor closed. You ride with it open, so you can get some cool, fresh air. And I just felt like this little nudge: close your visor. And like, it was such a strong nudge that that I almost replied to myself saying, "No, I'm almost home. It's fine. Let me just go. It's hot." And and I just. It was just like so annoying, this feeling that I couldn't shake. And eventually, I just closed the visor. Three seconds later, I rode into the swarm of who knows what, and there's just bug splatter all over my helmet. And I'm like, ah, thank you, Jesus. Now, again, you might be saying, ah, that's just, that's just coincidence. That's a silly story. Maybe, probably you're right. But I do know that God gives common sense to those that don't have it. And I think maybe God was giving me what I needed to have in that moment. On top of that, just after that, same nudge, but this time like, brew not a chance, I'm almost home, I'm driving. Didn't close my visor, and I don't know what kind of bug this was, but it felt like a cricket ball hit me in the eye. It was so, and I, if only I listened to the nudge. Again, silly story. Point I'm trying to make is, is God even speaks to you in your day-to-day -day life. He doesn't want to just be with you in the third row on a Sunday morning. God's there, a father, and he wants to give a hand through everything in your life. Another story, maybe, again, maybe silly, but this one's super real to me. Um, I don't know how else how to put it than last month I had like quite a rough month, rough in terms of like finances. It was, a, it was a rough month. And not that bad, like I still ate and I lived and things are good. 
But, okay, let me explain. Let's just say I ran out of my last like dish sponge. Like you know when the, the actual hard scrubby bit's gone and like it's hopeless. There's no way you can scrub a pan with this thing. You just have this fraught old sponge left and it's like the middle of the month and you're like, you're kind of like, not sad, but you're like a bit miffed. You're like, oh my hat. Like I can't even go buy a sponge because that would be unwise. I probably need to see how the month's going to go. Like that kind of rough. And... Anyway, no one knows about this. Family hasn't visited me in a while, so they haven't seen my state of my sponge. Obviously, didn't tell anyone. And so, after church one night, mom stays close. I just thought, hey, let me just go have a cup of coffee with my mom. Hey, it's late at night. And as I leave, now again, no one knows a thing. Like, I don't know how. As I'm walking out the door, my mom just reaches and grabs one of her brand new sponges and sticks it in my backpack without me saying a word, without her saying a word. And I, she still doesn't know. And I just, I went home. And the point of that story is not a sponge. The point of that story is sometimes God nudges you with obedience or with advice. And sometimes God will speak to you with a little nudge that will just remind you, I see you. I got you. I know. I know. And again, it's not about a sponge because a month after that, I'm in Joburg, I'm leaving Joburg. And as I leave Joburg, my car overheats, blows the head gasket, my whole engine stuff, get a big nasty quote, my car's still there. And immediately, in the chaos, in the worry, hey, you start complaining, you're worrying, you're doubting, you're trying to make a plan in your own strength. And then you remember, hey, that nudge wasn't about a sponge. That was a nudge, God saying, I know, I see, I got you. And, and it was such a moment for me to realize, hey, God, God knew what's coming, and God gives us these small little nudges and if we can learn to hear them and obey them, he'll set us up for whatever's going to come. And it's the same thing with, with areas of sin, temptation. Ah, God's never said, Chad, no, don't go do that thing. That's wrong. Ah, I'm angry. But there has been moments where I felt that nudge. I don't want you to do that. Don't, go, don't open that door because it's not going to end well. I have more for your life. Don't do this. And at times... I've obeyed, and looking back, I'm like, ah, oh, thank you, Jesus, that you showed me a way out of that. And there's been other times where it's just because I ignored, maybe I didn't hear, or maybe just my own selfishness got the better of me, that I ignored that nudge, made some tough decisions, bumped your head, and then you look back and you go, ah, oh, God, actually, actually you spoke and you said, if only I'd listened to that small nudge. So the big idea I'm trying to share this morning is, is what I think is, is my next step and maybe for us as a church, maybe for some of you, that next step to go just that bit deeper with the Holy Spirit is to say, hey, hey God, I'm going to start obeying that nudge. I'm going to start being aware of that nudge. We sung that song over and over now. Let us become more aware of your presence. That's not just a song. That's a commitment to Jesus saying, God, I want to be more aware of your presence and your glory and how good you are. Just open my eyes to how you are constantly speaking. Galatians 5.25 says, Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. The context here is Paul saying, hey, you're not living under laws anymore, but instead you're living by the Spirit. It's not just obey these 10 things, seal it with a prayer when you go to bed, and then, okay, you're right with God. No, in every area of your life, let us walk in step with the Holy Spirit. 
And the Holy Spirit can nudge and speak whether it's something we need to repent of, whether it's something we need to say yes to, whether it's him trying to comfort us with the truth about who he is or who he says we are or the season he wants to take us into, his, into life. Hey, the Holy Spirit's there and he's speaking. And so I was trying to think, chances are all of you know this already. I kind of knew this already, but then why, why do I still struggle? Why do we all still struggle? What stops us from all taking that next step to just, real, to just obeying those little nudges? And kind of the thought I had is sometimes I think we just, we're just a little bit too comfortable. We, we're happy with what we got. We're settled. We're content. And, and our hands are just closed. We're not open to the Holy Spirit. Maybe, maybe there's that thing in your life that, that you know it's wrong, but it's okay because you want it that much that you're willing to know it's wrong. I remember, I remember a while ago we had like a, a worship night and it was amazing. Everyone's singing and worshiping and I'm worshiping and the song's amazing. And we get to the bridge of the song that had the lyrics, all to you I surrender. And suddenly as I saw those words on the screen, I had to stop singing. I was like, there's not a chance I can sing these words because I just felt like if I sing those words tonight, I need to mean what I'm singing. And I don't know, in that moment, I, I couldn't tell, I don't know if I'm ready to mean these lines and actually surrender all to Jesus. And in that moment, there was no song the worship team could play. There was no point from the sermon the preacher could preach. It was me and Jesus, and I had to stand there and pray and wrestle this thing out. God, am I gonna take this next step? Because that's what it means to follow you. It doesn't help, I'm, I'm doing nine out of 10 perfectly. It's just, it's just this one little thing. No, again, we're not under law. Let's walk in step with the Holy Spirit in every area of our life. And we sung now, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And kind of just the picture I had while we were worshiping was, sometimes you can seem very hospitable and welcoming people when you, I don't know, maybe you're at your mates at the club or you're at the mates at a coffee shop or you wherever and, and you're super welcoming, but you don't always want to welcome them into your home, if that makes sense. You're willing to talk to the guy in the mall, but to have the O come spend a night at your house, that's like, that's pushing. You're not that welcome. And we can sing, hey God, you welcome here in the Outlook building while I'm worshiping, but can we say, God, you welcome into my private life. God, you're welcome into my thoughts and into my decisions. You're welcome into my workplace, into my business, and my family. And my, is he even welcome there in your life? And that's the questions I'm asking myself also. The other thing I, was, I remember, and maybe it's a word to me, I don't know if it's a word to you, but I felt God tell me, God, God's not gonna give me the next thing or the next nudge until I've listened to the first nudge. And what happens is God's saying this, whatever this is for you, and we don't want to do this, so we try and do a whole bunch of other things, and we're walking at the edge of the cliff or at the edge of the beach, and we're just never stepping into the water or into the obedience that he wants us to have. And so I think the last thing that I really found for me that I think makes it a struggle to hear the voice is, have you ever... Have you ever been picked up from a bus stop or airport by someone that you don't know? Like maybe you're traveling far and a family member or friend sends someone else to pick you up. It's really hard to follow or find the person who you don't know and you've never met. I think sometimes it's hard 
to hear God's voice or to understand his nudge when actually you just don't know him that well. And knowing God's voice, just, just like any relationship, getting to know God's nudges and getting to know his voice takes relationship with him. It takes time, it takes discipline. The, the two things I know I'm really bad at, but, but I'm trying. But again, I was reminded of a, of a story back in the Old Testament, and what's happening in the story is, is God's trying to free the Israelites, God's people, from slavery, from Pharaoh. God's plan is literally, I want to lead my people into all their promises. That's literally the summary of his plan. And the enemy, the world, Pharaoh knows this. And so his one strategy, his one plan to stop God's people from hearing what God is saying and leading them is he just wants to distract them and keep them busy. And I'm going to read it quick. In Exodus chapter 5, verse 7, this is Pharaoh's plan to distract God's people. It says, don't supply any more straw for making bricks. Make the people get it themselves, but still require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That's why they are crying out. Let us go offer sacrifices to our God. Load them down with more work. Make them sweat. Basically, Pharaoh's plan was keep God's people so busy doing other stuff that they don't listen to his promises, so they don't trust him, so they aren't led into the promises. And what's scary is, I still think for probably most Christians today, I think one of the biggest reasons we aren't hearing more of the Holy Spirit simply we're just that distracted and I'm not surprised because I don't think it's it's you or it's your fault you're distracted I think the world is setting us up to be distracted because just imagine a church where everyone's hearing all those nudges from the Holy Spirit we were all walking in power all walking in obedience all being reminded of what he's saying and what he's doing imagine that kind of church in our city no wonder all of us are being bombarded with distractions and so, I just want to remind us of the, the story where, where David's going to pray, and let me, let me just read it. So, to some context, David is like clearly like best general army captain type dude, and he's winning battles all over, but yet in the midst of trying to lead a nation, in the midst of being king, in the midst of facing battles and leading an army... When he just needs a small decision, this is what he does. Uh, in 1 Samuel 23, one day news came to David that the Philistines were at Keilah stealing grain from the threshing floors. David asked the Lord, should I go and attack them? Yes, go and save Keilah, the Lord told him. Now, again, maybe that seems small and insignificant, but just a few chapters later in 1 Samuel chapter 30, again something happens. David doesn't go, hey, hey, I'm a professional, I know what to do, I got this. No, he went back to the Lord time and time again for everything. He inquired of God and said, God, God, what should I do? And the reason why I'm sharing this is I'm not just talking about a habit of, hey, waking up in the morning, pray and read your Bible. I'm talking about throughout our day, throughout our life, throughout our decisions, are we aware of God's presence? That his Holy Spirit is in us, that he is nudging, he is talking, he is guiding through absolutely everything if we will just be aware and go back to him and sometimes there's a lot of other voices in the world saying a bunch of stuff and it can get confusing and that's why Romans 12 verse 2 says don't copy the behavior and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think 
then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. As the more we know who God is and what his will for us is, the more we'll begin to identify all those nudges that come along with it. And so a phrase I had in my head the whole week was just, just radical obedience. And I was just thinking, and maybe you can think for yourself now, hey, what, what has God been saying to you? Or better, what, what has God been saying that, that you know you've been ignoring? Or what area haven't you welcomed him in to your life? Or, or, or have you invited him in at all? And I just, there's a scripture in, in Revelations chapter 3, and, and this is Jesus saying, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. And this is an invitation for Jesus to come in to this other areas of your life. And I know it seems like I'm saying, hey, seek God, seek God. But actually, Jesus is the one that went deeper. Jesus is the one that left heaven to come to earth. Jesus is the one at your door knocking, saying, hey, if you let me in, we'll be friends and we'll have a meal together and I'll share with you if you just let him in. And maybe, maybe you've never let him in at all. Maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you don't know the Holy Spirit. But maybe you're saying, hey, hey, I want this comforter. I want this God to live inside of me, to guide me and to help me and to comfort me. Again, we spoke about it earlier in Acts. Paul says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So maybe today you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you don't know him, but you're saying, hey, yes, I want him. Well, we have a pool outside, and, and if we want to exercise some radical obedience this morning, then while everyone else goes out to have tea and coffee, we'll be uh, in the front. And if you want to get baptized, if you want to give your life to Jesus, jeans, shoes, and everything, you can, you can come up and we'll, with such passion and excitement and joy, we baptize you this morning. So if you come through, will you stand quick? I just, I'd love to land in prayer. Lord, Thank you so much that you didn't leave earth and leave us alone. Thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit, your comforter, your, your guider to live inside of us. And I pray, Father God, that, that as a church and as individuals, we'd be so settled and convinced that God, your Spirit, your Holy Spirit is inside of us and you are talking. And Father God, I pray against any distractions in our life. Father God, I pray for, for a culture in this church of, of everyone being aware of your presence throughout our life, knowing that, God, you are speaking. So I pray, give us the faith, the courage, and the strength, and the ear to ear, all those little nudges you're giving us, Father God. I pray that we take the step deep into obeying. What, what's the next step? What's the next little thing you're asking us to do? What comfort are you trying to remind us of? Let us rest in those promises. Let us rest in those words you're giving us. So I pray, God, where there's things we need to lay down, where there's things we need to obey, where there's things we need to be reminded of. Father God, I pray that, that, that we deal with that personally with you. I pray, God, that, that we'd get in that water. We'd stop riding the wave of everyone else's walk with you. But God, we'd say, hey, God, I want to commit to this relationship, to know you deeper, to know you more, to surrender every part of my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen.